Hello, this is Robert Rickover at Body Learning, and today my guest is John Macy, who is a physical therapist. He's been a physical therapist for over 25 years. He's also an Alexander Technique teacher. He's been in, been in that for about 30 years. He lives and works in Omaha, Nebraska. He's the co-owner of the workshop, Workout Omaha. And he has um, also uh, some specialized PT training with the Postural Rehabilitation Institute, which uh, is based in Lincoln, Nebraska, and which I can attest uh, from my own experience is a remarkable um, process that they teach. And uh, we're going to talk today about the relationship between the Alexander Technique and physical therapy. And uh, John, welcome to the show. Oh, thank you, Robert. And just a minor correction. Yeah. It's Postural Restoration Institute. Postural Restoration Institute, yes. I don't uh, want to confuse any of your listeners. Postural Re- Restoration Institute is located in Lincoln, Nebraska. And they do really good work. So um, I wonder, John, if you could begin by just providing uh, our listeners, who I, a lot of whom I suspect will be physical therapists, with a, a short description or definition of the Alexander Technique. Certainly. The Alexander Technique is essentially a way to have a conscious interface between your rational mind and the movements that you make with your body. And of course, since it's an interface, it's two-way. It also helps improve the feedback from the body back up to your mind to make decisions about how I should move next. But it works right at that interface. I have an idea to move. How do I carry it out? How do I make sure that the information actually gets translated into movement clearly and correctly? So when I listen to that, I'm, I'm trying to put myself in the place of a physical therapist. It's, it sounds like a, a lot of thinking is going to have to take place. Um, how I move this leg, how I move that arm, whatever. <laughs> and um, I, I know that's not the case, but I wonder if you could, could clear that up a little for our listeners. Indeed. The beauty of the Alexander Technique is it is so simple disastrously simple I think was the best description I ever heard of it because it really has to do about just that one first movement that we make you have an idea to move that's in your head you have to carry it out through your body to do that you send signals from your brain down to the musculature so that you can move around your joints and the first joint you can move on is the atlanto-occipital joint where your head sits on your spine and when you change and control the quality of that movement all the other movements can work more easily. You don't have to worry about moving all the other parts or adjusting them. Just take care of the first things and the other things follow because that's how we're wired as vertebrates to move in response to the first movement. Mm-hmm. And and that, that really um, echoes the, the, a major discovery of the developer of the Alexander Technique, a man named F. Matthias Alexander, who... Uh, through experience with himself and with his uh, people he, he started teaching early on, he, he had the realization that how we manage our head 
neck relationship has huge implications for everything else. And I suppose biomechanically, that's not so surprising. Our head weighs 10 to 12 pounds. It's poised way up at the top of our spine. And so how we manage that considerable weight um, for good or for bad is going to influence how the rest of our, our bodies. So you're saying that really um, when you were talking about the, the, the mental, physical interface, or, uh, that would be a key place to apply your, your, your thought process. Yes, because it's really, if you will, where the pedal meets the metal, where the ideas of movement of what you're going to do relative to the world actually get carried into a real action, where mm -hmm. your thinking is converted into a real movement. Mm -hmm. And what's interesting about the Alexander technique is the idea of controlling the head to control movement is not a new one, not even new at Alexander's time. That's how you control a horse. That's mm -hmm. Athletes have known for years that the head leads, the body follows. Uh, one of the best examples to me is when you watch high jumpers. They will run up to that bar and turn, and you can see their head just lengthen away from their body as the rest of the body goes up in the air after that. So the idea is not new at all. Alexander's major discovery was if you influence that little event by mm -hmm. what you're thinking to do there, you can influence everything else you want to change. You're having trouble getting your knee over the bar when you're high jumping? Start with changing what the head did because it's going to be the first in that whole line. Mm -hmm. If you change the mm -hmm. first thing at the front of the line, then you change the line following it. Yeah, absolutely. And that doesn't mean, though, that you wouldn't, you wouldn't uh, as an Alexander teacher, help someone with a specific arm movement or a leg movement. But as you say, unless the head-neck relationship is working well, you're not going to get real far with specific adjustments further down. That's true. And actually, I think really all an Alexander teacher does when they're using their hands after the student has figured out this head-neck relationship is just speed up the process. I'm really convinced that with students, all I'm doing when I work with their arms, with their legs or whatever, is something they would figure out if they had 5, 10, 20 hours to sit and play with it. But the fact that I've done that already, I can show them much quicker. But they aren't going to learn anything that they couldn't have figured out for themselves once they understand that if I change what I do with my head, the other stuff will follow eventually because that's how we're wired. Mm -hmm. So it seems to me, um, just thinking off the top of my head here and I'm imagining for a moment that I were a physical therapist, I could see two obvious questions for you. Um, one would relate to what are, how does the Alexander approach to working with people with injuries, for example, or pain, differ uh, from that of a physical therapist? That would be question number one. And question number two, it sounds like um, the process would be very useful for physical therapists themselves. I know that we have talked in the past about the high burnout rate of body workers in general, physical therapists in particular. You once commented to me that there are not a lot of old physical therapists around these days. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you may be the oldest. Um, <laughs> just, no, but I'm just kidding, John. Just kidding. <laughs> uh, uh, but um, uh, actually, I heard interesting statistic just today 
that the burnout rate, ten-year burnout rate for physical therapists is seventy-five percent. That's incredible. Seven incredible. Seventy-five percent of the therapists who go in the field tomorrow mm-hmm. will be out of it within ten years. And I wouldn't be surprised if it were maybe, perhaps not quite as high, but very high from massage therapists and other other body workers oh, too. Indeed. But so, to go back to your question. Yeah, let's do question one first. I mean, what uh, the Alexander technique, you know, does have this reputation, particularly for people with back pain, as being a very useful process. And there, there's even a, a large-scale medical study that has that has pretty convincingly shown that. So, but in general, if someone comes to an Alexander teacher in pain and someone comes to a physical therapist in pain, what's going to be the big difference? The perspective. An Alexander teacher is going to say, okay, you've got pain in your low back. What are you doing with the rest of you that is leading you to do things that injure this area? And can we change those to diminish how much stress is on your system to take pressure off there so it can function better? Most physical therapists will say, oh, your low back is hurting. What is wrong with the tissue right there? Let's see what we can do to speed its repair. And never take the step of what are you doing with the way you're using that low back so it caused pain and got damaged in the first place. And that's the major idea in the Alexander Technique is the concept of use. How are you using yourself? I love it, actually, sometimes when patients come in and say, I'm hurting right here. And I'll say, that's great, because when you move that way, you're supposed to hurt there. I'd be really concerned if you came in and told me, my back doesn't hurt anymore, even though I walk around bent over like this. Mm -hmm. Then I know they've done some serious damage to themselves, because now the nerves don't even work correctly. So to generalize, would you say that that physical therapists in in general, will focus on the specific area where the complaint is. Perhaps they'll be interested, for for example, in mobilizing a certain joint or stretching in a certain area, that sort of thing. Is that? That's very accurate, but it's not just physical therapists. A lot of the Western medical model does that. If you're hurting here, that's what we treat instead of stepping back and saying, what are you doing that led to the injury, and let's relieve that first and see if your body heals that area. Mm-hmm. Now, that's not to say you shouldn't intervene. You know, If somebody has a herniated disc that's pushing on a nerve, you really do need to get the pressure off there before there's permanent damage. Or if you've torn up the cartilage in your knee and it doesn't work, you do have to do something to fix that. But you also have to do something so that they quit doing the thing that tore it up in the first place, or you're going to see him back again in the office in six months or a year. Right, and and also if someone is in in pain, um, you probably a good idea to try to alleviate that pain, and that is to to a certain extent, just uh, even from an Alexander technique point of view, because if what your what an Alexander teacher is going to want someone to do is think differently about movement, and a person who's in pain is not going to be in a really good place to <laughs> mobilize their thinking, as I can attest from my own experience uh, in in the past. So there's certainly a role for the more specific intervention. Oh, yes, without a doubt. I think they're an excellent complement. 
And I think that segues right into your second question as to how does this relate to physical therapists performing their jobs also. Mm -hmm. But hey, no, before we get to that, I want to just add one more thing to uh, the, 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 um, the, the usefulness of specific interventions because sometimes, um, you know, you can, you can get someone uh, doing some very uh, constructive thinking about themselves using the Alexander Technique. So they're, they're using the, the, their bodies the way it is right now as well as could be as well as possible. But if there's a, a, a sort of a longer-term structural imbalance, um, it, it's, it could take an awfully long time for just Alexander work to, to, uh, to change that. Maybe many reincarnations, in fact. <laughs> so um, th- You're right. th- there is a role for direct intervention. But as you say, it really it's going to have limited usefulness if you're not addressing the underlying cause of the discomfort or the underlying pressures that have been are being brought to bear unconsciously by the person that can be changed yes and i wouldn't even say underlying i'd say the parallel they're on the same level the alexander technique really enables people to move as well as they can with the structure they have at the moment that structure can limit what they're moving. And sometimes you need to address the structure itself so they can move better and pain-free more easily. So both of them are, I think, part of having a comprehensive treatment of a patient. A holistic approach requires you to use both. Mm-hmm. I see this with Alexander students who really are having trouble, particularly in the thoracic spine. They just can't move very easily. It's uncomfortable. And we could work on it for weeks to get the muscles to change and change the daily movements. Or I could just use my hands and manipulate those joints so they start working. And immediately they have a lot more comfort and they move through there. And they can incorporate that into their whole body movement much quicker then. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And certainly the, the postural rehabilitation restoration work that you're certified in, PRI, uh, as that branch of physical therapy um, deals very much with changing localized uh, conditions, but but within the model of how the whole person is functioning. Indeed. And in fact, it also respects the fact that we're actually asymmetric beings. And -hmm. that's the real change in its paradigm. Most people, even PTs and doctors are taught, we're symmetric. What's on the right side works as the same as the left side. And the reality is that's not quite true. Even though we look symmetric on the outside, on the inside we have a number of asymmetric forces caused by we have bigger lung on the right than the left because we have a heart sitting on the left side. We have a liver on one side and a stomach on the other, and our internal viscera are not symmetric. We have these real asymmetric poles in our body that make us twist in particular and predictable fashions just because we're human. And Mm -hmm. you want to restore the ability to move symmetrically, but we don't by design we are biased to move asymmetrically. And that's a real change in the paradigm that the postural restoration work has. And I think it's major, but it does respect the fact that we have to look at the whole body movement pattern and have an accurate idea of how it is humans are supposed to be able to move. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So now moving on to our, our second question, uh, the, the PT, him or herself, 
um, who's putting in long hours a, a day and lifting and uh, just a very, a very uh, stressful job. Very, yes, physic- very physically very demanding. Phys- very physically demanding job. Absolutely. Um, what uh, what does the Alexander technique uh, have to offer such a person? Quite a bit, and I think actually for PTs, that's more important than what it teaches you to do with your patients, because it makes it possible for you to move and use yourself in a much easier and efficient manner to make sure that you're only using the amount of force you need to through the day instead of wasting a lot of extra energy. And also, when you are touching and handling your patients, your touch is much more direct and you communicate information much more coherently and more easily absorbed by your patient. I find that when I work with PTs and particularly my own experience, is that by using the Alexander Technique, my patients understand what I'm saying and follow the movement instructions much more quickly and more easily. So I've cut down the repetition and how hard I have to work with folks. That makes a huge difference in my physical workload in a day. Mm-hmm. And uh, one could make a similar observation for a massage therapist as well, that in general, I think people who do, I'll use this very broad term, body work, are for the most part doing too much physical work themselves or oh, doing I, more than not only more than they need but but more the the extra is actually getting in the way of their efficiency as a, a therapist I couldn't agree more a lot of what a therapist does any sort physical massage etc is really communicate we're communicating a sense of well-being, relaxation, or this is how you move, or whatever. But there's a communication between you and the client. And when a person is using themselves well, as defined by the Alexander Technique, where it's minimal tension, very accurate movements, that communication occurs so much more accurately and easily with a lot less stress on both both sides of the equation. It's a... Ex- exercise I do a lot when I teach classes to have people just shake hands or speak to each other with various patterns of use and they're always amazed at how much just making a little change in what they're doing with themselves that head neck relationship the other person gets their communication so much better the contact feels better they understand the words that are spoken better they understand what's being asked of them so much quicker and it isn't that the therapist actually specifically said now I'm going to do this but that the therapist was careful about how they used their own organism as they were doing the thing they already know how to do. Mm-hmm. And, and when you put your hands, when you shake hands with someone or you put your hands on someone's back or shoulder or whatever, there is, a, as you say, that direct connection and your, uh, your f- mental, physical state is transferred through your hands. You may not be consciously, and your person you're working with may not consciously be able to say, yes, I can sense that, but that is what's going on. So if if you have a tight neck or tight shoulders and you put your hands on someone, you're kind of conveying that information to them. And conversely, when you don't, you're conveying a greater sense of ease to them. We've all had that experience. We've yeah, this it. is not just about therapists. Mother-child, yeah. mother, um, 
Well, we've know. all been in a room where somebody walks in who's very depressed and grumpy, and you just feel everybody kind of gets slumpy about it. Mm-hmm. Or somebody who's very energetic comes in, and everybody just cheers up and lightens up because of the way that person is using themselves. The communication follows what the person is doing. Absolutely. John, is there anything else that you'd like to add before we bring this podcast to a close? I think physical therapists would be well served by at least getting a little knowledge of the Alexander Technique, if for no other reason than improving their own comfort with what they're doing with their profession and perhaps extending their ability to work, or just because it's very interesting. Most PTs went into the field because they were interested in movement, and this is a fascinating way to look at it that generally isn't covered in our training. Mm-hmm. Yes, I can, I'm thinking back to our, our teacher, Marge Barstow, who used to say that someday the Alexander Technique will be seen as a kind of science of movement. I believe that's the phrase she used from time to time. <laughs> do you remember that? I do, and, and I, I think she's right. I think she was absolutely right about that. Well, uh, our, my guest today has been John Macy, who is a physical therapist and an Alexander Technique teacher. He's been at both fields for longer than probably he'd like to admit. He lives and works in the Omaha area. So if you're a physical therapist uh, and what we've been, or any kind of body worker really, uh, if if what we've been talking about intrigues you, uh, g- give John a call. And if you're somewhere else uh, in the world, find an Alexander teacher and, and have a few lessons. If you're a physical therapist and you work in a clinic of some kind, uh, arrange to have a teacher come in and give a workshop for for a, a bunch of you at one time. That's a very effective way of getting a, a feel for the work. Uh, John, thank you so much for being on the show today. You're quite welcome, Robert. It's been my pleasure. <laughs> 